This podcast is part of the 76ers Podcast Network. Search 76ers Insiders wherever you get your podcasts. Hey everyone, welcome back to another Sixers Twitter Spaces. I'm Matt Murphy along with Lauren Rosen. We join Twitter Spaces after Sixers wins the morning after and the Sixers last night in Orlando with a win on the road for their fifth straight win. They get the win by a final score of 116-106. We want you to help us with the conversation by sending us your questions. As always, you can click on our icons at the top, send us a DM, reply to the Sixers tweet of this space if that's how you found us this morning. And like Lauren said in the pre-show, nothing's off limits. Doesn't have to be specific to last night's game. It can be about anything you want to talk about. The Sixers 116, the Magic 106 last night on the floor. Embiid with 31, four starters with 21 points. Good morning if you're on the East Coast. Lauren Rosen, I know you are like myself, so good morning to you as you're having the first sips of your coffee. I'm going no coffee for this one, so natural energy, but good morning. Another Sixers win. It's becoming routine to be on Spaces with you again, five in a row. Good morning, Matt Murphy. You are a brave, brave man to do this coffee free. I truly, truly admire what you are about to do. Good morning. Great Sixers win last night in Orlando. I want to start with the atmosphere last night in Orlando. Sometimes we have folks listening in from Turkey. We have folks listening in from Australia almost always. I didn't know how many fans the Sixers had in Orlando. So if any of you in this space were at the game last night, definitely send us your thoughts. Let us know what it was like. Let us know if it's always like that at Magic Games because the atmosphere last night in the fourth quarter was so elite. It felt like we were in the Wells Fargo Center. Joel Embiid talked about it. Tobias Harris talked about it. Post game, they absolutely loved the way that the fans were engaging with them on the court. Joel gestured to the crowd more than he does at home games because I think he was so happy to have a home away from home in Orlando. Uh, the atmosphere, it was, it was just awesome. So shout out to all the Sixers fans in Orlando. And then shout out, of course, to the Sixers for what they were able to to do last night. As always, we're going to run through some top performers on the stat sheet. Thank you for your questions. If you're considering sending a question, pull the trigger, go for it right now, because we want to hear them and we'll get into those questions once we get through our rundown of the game. So Joel Embiid, once again, leads the way. 30 plus points once again, 31 points, five rebounds, four assists, a steal, and a block. Um, 20 points apiece for Seth Curry and Furkan Korkmaz, both who started last night. Curry, Shares 12 assists last night, along with seven rebounds. He's been so active as as a facilitator, as has Furkan Korkmaz over the last couple of games. Furkan finishes with 20 points, five rebounds, an assist, and a steal. Tobias Harris finishes one rebound shy of a 22-point, nine-rebound double-double. Well, one rebound shy of the double-double. Nine rebounds, four assists, two steals, two blocks. Tobias super active defensively last night. Really loved seeing that. Nine for 19 from the field, three for six from deep. And Andre Drummond, who shared the floor with Joel. I'm seeing your questions about the Twin Towers lineup. We're definitely going to get into that. He had 12 points, eight rebounds, four assists, and three steals in his 18 minutes. And then shout out to George Yang. Eight points and six rebounds in his 29 minutes, but a plus 28. That's a game high. He brought all the energy that the team needed last night. Matt, what were your key takeaways from this one? Where do you want to start? Well, you covered a lot of these specific numbers, but the lineup 
as a whole. And b- before I make my point, Kevin says Orlando is a destination from the Northeast, thus the Philly following. I think you, you hear about that a lot over the years, Sixers fans in Orlando, really any Philly sports team down there. I, I was listening to sports talk radio yesterday afternoon and someone said they were in Tampa, but they're from Philly and they were driving to the game. And I'm sure that's pretty common. And we, we've known that over the years a little bit, but it was awesome to see and them supporting the Sixers win last night to keep the win streak going. But without Tyrese Maxey and then Shake Milton, so Maxey's in health and safety protocols and, and Shake Milton got hurt towards the end of the Houston game on Monday, was out with a back injury. The same starting group that included Seth Curry and Furkan Korkmaz, but my primary takeaway is both of them scoring 20 points. Curry having a double-double with the 12 assists, his second double-digit assist game of his career. He did have a game earlier in his career with 15 assists, but only his third career double-double. For both of them to score 20, for Korkmaz to get downhill, for Curry to have so many assists in the absence of Maxi and even Shake Milton, that was my primary takeaway. The Sixers also lost Isaiah Joe during the game, who did not return with a right leg injury. He played seven minutes. So the guard rotations, yes, it was fun with Embiid and Drummond together, uh, but the guard shortage, I know it's all about positionless basketball in 2022, and everyone is a wing in some people's minds, but primary ball handlers, the Sixers relying on Korkmaz and Curry, and them both scoring 20 was my main takeaway. Yeah, cool to see the two of them fire on the same night. I I absolutely agree with you there, Matt. And a reminder that Furkan, uh, in the team's last outing against Houston on Monday, had his first career double-double. He had 24 points, 11 rebounds, 6 assists. So good to see the two of them heating up at the same time because they are, as the guys have said all season long, such important parts of the team and have both excelled at times and Furkan especially uh, coming out of a difficult stretch but but looking like his old self and and playing and speaking like his old self a pleasure to hear from Furkan last night post game he was really happy with what the team was able to do so I think without further ado we can we can jump into questions because we've alluded to some of them so far um yeah yeah boy asks us Matt will we see another Embiid and Drummond lineup from your perspective Matt and for those that don't know Matt was calling the game on the radio last night on 97.5 in the Sixers radio network. He was wonderful, as he always is. But what was your reaction when you're calling the game and you (laughs) see Andre and Joel take the floor together for the first time? How do you articulate what's happening out there and what were you watching for when it happened? That's a good question. It's a fun question because it was a little bit shocking. I would have to go back and listen to the game again at that point when they both graced the floor together for the first time, because I, I certainly identified it. I, I want to check how quickly I noticed, because I was calling the game remotely, but part of doing your job on the radio includes, if someone's in their car, they need to know who's on the floor. So resetting not only things like how the game has transpired so far, and of course you're giving the score and the time a lot, If someone's listening the whole way, they might find it to be too much, but you have to remember that people tune in and out, you know? So part of that is resetting the lineups on the floor. So it might have just been a natural time for me to do that. But when I was going, looking around the court and seeing Drummond and Embiid, it was was fun. And I think a lot of people feel the same way because 
not only the person who asked the question, we've gotten that question in, in various forms so far this morning. You can click on our avatars at the top and send us a DM with any Sixers question or whatever you want to talk about today. Any topic as well it doesn't need to be a direct question. You can also tweet to us or the Sixers, but a lot of thoughts from people so far today about the Drummond and Embiid combination. And I, I was surprised, but maybe I shouldn't have been because what I just talked about earlier with the players who are, were unavailable, no maxi again for the second straight game, but then you tack on no shake Milton. And then the way that the rotation worked out without, there was more players out than just that. Obviously Matisse Thibel was out again in health and safety protocols, but doc Rivers said after the game that they couldn't really go small. So they had to go big and that's what they did. I think I'm going to make my biggest takeaway from, from those minutes, uh, the way that Joel reacted to it. And of course, Joel doesn't really hide how he feels about things when he's upset, when he's happy. And Doc Rivers, after the game, said that Joel has been thirsting for a lineup that included both him and Andre Drummond at the same time. He said that Joel's eyes lit up when he found out that they were going to do it, that he had been wanting it for a while, that Andre was excited to try it out. This is something that Doc said that the, that the team worked on a little bit as early as training camp. This is something that they've been sort of testing out, feeling out the waters, and it was cool to see it be you know, relatively successful out there. And for the first time they, that they've ever done it, I was certainly intrigued. So those asking, will we see it again? That's a question that I'm getting uh, multiple times. I think we probably will, especially while the team continues to be shorthanded and, and continues to try different things with different lineups based on who's available. And if the guys that are responsible for figuring it out, it's an unconventional lineup, Joel Embiid in an unconventional situation when he plays alongside Andre, if he likes it and if it's working, I don't see why you wouldn't see it again. So to hear that Joel enjoys that lineup, to hear that he was excited about it and he got to try it makes me happy, made me smile. And I was glad that they got to try something new. And, and, and I didn't hate it. Matchup dependent. I mean, Orlando's big. Mo Bamba's seven foot. Wendell Carter Jr. is listed at 6'10". Franz Wagner, the rookie, rookie of the month. Joel, the player of the month. They were going at it. Wagner doesn't bang around down low as much but he's a skilled player at 610 and the rebounding battle favored the magic for the majority of the game and the towards the end it was in the second half when they went really big and the Sixers actually closed the gap on the boards a little bit as well they they were out rebounded but only by a couple if Joel's eyes lit up to play alongside Drummond they also lit up post game with the Shirley Temple he brought the the Shirley Temple out to his post game media session and somebody already sent me a comment about that. Andrew said, thoughts on the Shirley Temple. My thoughts are that I loved it. I thought it was awesome. Very, very Joel. Such a Joel move. Yes, I've got a couple comments about the Shirley as well. Got actually a tweet that I want to that I want to look at with thoughts on Shirley Temples in general. Um, but yeah, great to see Joel celebrating his success when he brought the Shirley Temple out. I asked him, I, I had to confirm, you know, I tried to try to be a good journalist here every once in a while. And I asked him, is that in fact a Shirley Temple? It certainly looked like one. He said it is. And I'm celebrating five in a row with a cheeky little grin. So it was awesome to see him celebrate in that way. If you know, you know, if you been around if you've watched Joel for a long time you know that a Shirley Temple holds a special place in his heart so good to see him becoming one of the league's greats while remaining himself he's staying who he was when he got to Philadelphia he remains the guy that everybody loves um, and seeing Joel happy that's a theme that we talk about 
on these post-game Twitter spaces. Anytime you see Joelle happy, how can you not also be happy? So all about the Shirley Temples here on Twitter spaces. Lauren, the reaction from the crowd, and you had some good videos from on-site in Orlando with a lot of Sixers fans there. Embiid was certainly acknowledging them. But before the team gets to the, the Joel Shirley Temple portion of the night, Tobias Harris had a good game, 22 points, 9 rebounds. He and Embiid embraced. What was that situation like afterwards? Well, look, I think that something that I noticed, Matt, you and I actually talked about it right away during training camp. Joel and Tobias have developed such a strong mutual respect for one another. Um, it's something that really stuck out on media day. Uh, it's one of my favorite things to do every year, but I get to sit down with the guys and, and do like a longer form interview. Matt, you did some of those as well this season. And, and I really enjoy doing those because you get the opportunity to see what's changed, to see where the guys are in their lives heading into this season, to hear what they're excited about, what they're nervous about, what they've worked on. Um, and to me, something that really stood out when I sat with Joel and with Tobias is the way that they spoke about one another. Um, Joel, again, he's someone that he, I mean, he's one of the greats and he's had a lot of teammates over the years. People have, have, have came and went in his life and with his team. And I think that when you think about the players that have come in and out of Joel's life, there have been some great ones and there have been some players that I think he wishes had been better, right? So the way that he described his relationship with Tobias Harris, the way that it's grown, Joel said he joked at the beginning of our conversation that when Tobias first got here um, a couple seasons ago, now three seasons ago, uh, he didn't respect Tobias. And he was joking and he was laughing, but he moved out of that by saying he now really does respect him. He respects the way Tobias moves as a leader in the locker room, as a leader on the court, as a leader in the community. And I think that the way that Joel thought so thoughtfully about what Tobias's impact is on this team and how it fits in with his impact on this team. Uh, Joel talks a lot about putting the team on his back on the floor and, and willing them to victory. And he said that he really appreciates the way that Tobias can put the team on his back in the locker room and be sort of like a spiritual and emotional leader for the team because that's where Tobias really excels and somewhere that Joel now is, is trying to learn and learn from Tobias. So to me, watching the two of them grow their relationship, we heard last season Tobias Harris say in a media availability that when he tells his kids who the best player he ever played with is, he's going to say Joel Embiid. And that's considering Tobias Harris has spent over a decade in the NBA already and certainly has some good years left in him, but he knows that this is the best player he's ever played with and will ever play with. So the mutual respect there, um, I think that Joel understands that Tobias has been struggling lately. Tobias, we heard him talk about it. He understands that he's been struggling lately. And if there's one thing that we know about Tobias, it's that he wants to do right by his teammates and his community and, and the people in the stands. And so I think Joel had obviously been encouraging Tobias along. We've heard from Dan Burke and from Doc Rivers that Joel has really been trying to get Tobias involved, has been really trying to help Tobias set himself up for success, set his teammate up for success. So to see the two of them embrace post-game, um, it, it felt it felt really like, like a culmination of, of something important because Tobias played great um, after a difficult stretch that Joel helped him get through. So that's the sign of real teammates. They pick each other up when they're down. They help each other get better. They help each other when they're struggling. And, and I've really admired the relationship that the two of them 
have built. It's something I've been watching from the jump this season, and it's been really cool to see it progress. Uh, so yeah, Matt, what did you think watching that moment? No, I think you just offered up some really great perspective and thoughts on that relationship and how you've seen it develop. And thank you for that. And if anyone didn't hear the quotes or, or see the tweets, I'll start with one. Feel free to include anything else we heard from last night. But Tobias talking about Sixers fans and saying post game, I don't want anybody to get it twisted. I love our fan base with praise. You also have to be willing to take criticism as well. And he had some other thoughts on it, but he almost records a double double last night, comes up a, a rebound shy, four assists, 22 points, one of the four Sixers to reach 20 points in the win over the Magic. They played nine players, Miles Powell being the ninth. He only played three minutes, saw a comment about Powell as well. He returned after a short absence in health and safety protocols. We can potentially go down the bench a little bit later on, but shorthanded again last night the Sixers got 20 plus from four players including Tobias Harris so an impressive showing from him and then of course the embrace with Embiid was cool to see I think I would also just add one more thing while we're talking about uh, the week that Tobias has had. Joel talked after uh, the Houston game on Monday night about what it's like to be booed by the fans in the Wells Fargo Center, about his experience with the same thing a couple seasons back and how he responded to it and how he hopes that Tobias, that he believed that Tobias would respond the same way. And how cool is it to then see just 48 hours later to, to see Tobias respond exactly how Joel hoped he would. And that's what I'm saying when I talk about the synergy that the two of them have built and that the and the mindset that they share. Um, they obviously play really differently. They carry themselves really differently. They like different things and they do different things, but they have a really similar mindset and they have, I'm telling you guys, they have the same understanding of what the city demands of them. And that's something that I think has become extremely clear this week when you add Monday's game to Wednesday's game and what the two of them have said publicly about what it's like to play in Philadelphia, what drives them, what motivates them and how they feel about each other. I think we've learned that they feel exactly the same way about this city and about these fans. And I think that that's something that's really special as they continue to grow this partnership. Send us your questions. Send us your thoughts. We do these Twitter spaces after Sixers wins. They beat the Orlando Magic for their fifth straight win. It was their 14th road win at the time, the first in the league to 14, collecting the most road wins. But the Nets were also in action on the road and with Kyrie Irving in lineup for the first time, beat Indiana. So they have 14 road wins. And then later on, the Jazz picked up their 14th road win of the season in Denver, 115-109. But the Sixers beating the Magic, 116-106. Lauren with Joel, he was getting MVP chance on the road from those Sixers fans. I mean, Matt, it was clear from the time that the guys were warming up that it was going to be a borderline home game. And um, the arena, not entirely full, but of the folks that were there, I don't want to say that they were half Sixers fans, but it certainly sounded that way. Uh, when the guys were introduced on the floor as the visiting team, there were really hearty cheers. Um, guys in the in the stands wearing jerseys from this season. I saw a couple city editions from this season uh, already being worn at an opposing arena. So that's cool. Um, and Joel said post-game, he said that playing in Orlando has always sort of been like a home game. So it's something that he's noticed. It's a pattern that he's picked up on over time. I remember um, 
two seasons ago, prior to the pandemic, almost immediately prior to the pandemic, having a similar experience in Orlando and, and wondering what that's all about. So I'm getting a lot of comments in my um, mentions about how the the Florida landing spot, it might be a landing spot for folks from the Northeast, for folks from Philadelphia, people that grew up as Sixers fans that live there now, maybe even some folks that have picked up a Sixers fandom during their time there. So regardless of what it may be, Joel loves playing in Orlando. I loved soaking in that environment. The fans were absolutely awesome last night. It looked like some of the young guys or the new guys, I should say, were getting involved from the bench. How did the bench interact with the fans? Because Local player Charlie Brown Jr., who's on a 10-day, that is a good story, was looking at the crowd, and Charles Bassey was with him in one of your videos. Uh, cool to see. Uh, obviously, Char- it was awesome, Charlie Brown, yeah. a blue coat success story like Braxton Key, who joined the team yesterday, but Brown, Bassey, and the Sixers bench engaging with them. Yeah, they were the they were sort of the leaders of, of of the bench mob that were cheering their teammates on. And for for Charlie Brown Jr., for Braxton Key, that's the first time they've ever even played with this team. And to see them get that excited uh, for their teammates, I thought was really lovely. And it shows just sort of like, I mean, I don't want to be too cheesy on a morning Twitter spaces on a Thursday, but like the importance of sport and the way that it can bring people together and strangers can become friends over stuff like this. Um, so I won't go fully down that road, but it was really cool to watch guys that had just joined the team in the, in the previous 24 hours be that excited to cheer their teammates on and to rev up the crowd for their new team. Um, so yeah, Charlie Brown Jr., Charles Bassey getting super animated with the crowd. Great to see Charles Bassey start to come out of his shell a little bit. Uh, Miles Powell, Braxton Key, that group was really excited, really hyping up their guys on the floor and hyping up everybody in the stands as well. Uh, it was a pleasure to watch and, and really excited for those guys. What a time this is to, to be in the NBA and to watch guys sort of start to have the opportunity to realize lifelong dreams. It's it's obviously been a terrible, terrible couple of years, really difficult for so many people. And, and of course, the NBA sort of exists in a, I don't know, in a little orb outside of what's really going on in the world. But when we pay attention to what's going on in the little NBA orb and, and see people getting to realize their dreams because of everything that's going on, it's a cool little baby silver lining, I think. Um, and great to see those guys so excited to be out there. Send us some questions in. You can do that by not only tweeting, but you can also click on our avatars at the top. Click on Lauren's, click on mine, send us a DM, send the Sixers a tweet. We'll try to look through those as well kind of scan around a little bit. But Lauren, I have a question as you pick out some questions on your end. Can we talk about your tweet? And you know which one I'm talking about. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) It was awesome. It was funny. I'll read it. Give me one good reason why 76ers players are called Sixers, but players on the Magic can't be called magicians. That is... Matt, I'm going to expose myself. I'm going to expose myself. I've been wondering this for a long time. I feel but like I now I've heard have you an say audience. it before. I have an audience that I can that I can run it by now. And so I was really excited to hear other people feel the same way. This is actually a soapbox that I've been on for a couple of years now. I don't see any downside to calling magic players magicians. I think it's funny. I think it's catchy. I think it's cool. And yeah, that's I, I don't know. I'm passionate about this thing. So anyone in the space have any thoughts on why Sixers players are called Sixers, but magic players can't be called magicians? It's not like they have another tag. They're players for the magic. 
or magic players. And neither of those things have the same ring as magicians. I think if players for the Heat had a, na- a natural thing to be called, they, they would be called that. Or players for the Thunder, they would be called that. So why aren't we leaning into magicians? I wonder it every time the Sixers play the Magic. I wonder it almost any time I see the Magic logo. It's something I'm very passionate about, and I need answers. So that's how I feel. <laughs> when I, I do have some legitimate yeah, questions gonna, if you want to pivot. Oh, no, no, we're no, gonna go get ahead. To some questions, but when I saw the tweet, I don't want to say that I thought you copied it, but it's become so familiar to me, and I it's because of you. You have said it mm-hmm. over the years, either not on on air, but I've heard you say it in conversation or at least write oh, it I'm somewhere. Oh, I'm so passionate about it, Matt. It's so funny. I At really one point am. on the radio broadcast, I didn't call them <laughs> magicians, although that would have been fun. I actually didn't see the tweet in time, but maybe next time. I was talking about the uniforms, and I said black magic uniforms, and I was like, oh, black magic. That's... <laughs> oh. Oh. I mean, look, they could do so much with the name that they're not doing. So anyway, if they need any uh, consulting on what they should be called, I'm always always available to, to provide my Kevin advice. Said my the heat, Kevin said the heat should in. be called the heaters, which I was thinking. Yeah, That's funny. But. Yeah, I don't hate that. I don't hate that. The heat. Yeah, I don't know. The heaters, the AC, the heat. I don't know. <laughs> OK, anyway, um, this is one that I wanted to read from my DMs from Carol Papps. Uh, listening from Nairobi, Kenya. I am a huge Sixers fan and I love joining in to listen to this space. I'm eight hours ahead, so you can imagine what time I sleep watching the games live. Smiley face, no question, just a comment. I absolutely love hearing from where everybody is, hearing where everybody is from, listening to these Twitter spaces. We've had folks, like I've said, a lot of Furcon fans that, that come into the Twitter space that, that watch our live Instagram uh, rundowns prior to every game and tons of Aussie fans as well. So shout out to people around the world. I mean, it's kind of like mind boggling to think about the fact that anyone from anywhere can join these spaces. So thank you so much, Carol, for sending the message. Really excited to hear. Sixers fans truly are everywhere. And we learned that last night in Orlando. But good to see that they're that they're also a little bit farther away. So welcome, 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 everybody from wherever you are. Always love to hear where people are listening from and really appreciate that you guys are listening in the first place. These are so much fun. Um, so yeah, no question, just a comment. But shout out to Carol in Nairobi. That is awesome. Speaking of fans from around the world, Guillaume from Cameroon is a Sixers fan in China, according to their message. So that is cool. They asked earlier about the Embiid Drummond lineup, but we kind of already talked about that. So just another shout out to Sixers fans. I like this one from from Patty Mills Goat, who lets us know. Uh, Patty Mills Goat is also listening from Australia. It's currently the same day as the Orlando game here. That's wild, because in the time between the Orlando game and this Twitter space, I got on a plane, flew back to Philadelphia, got a full night's sleep, woke up, made coffee, and started the space. So you've had a long day, it seems, but hey, I don't know. Um, But Patty Mills Goat also replied to what we were talking about um, with the young bench players, or especially the newest bench players, celebrating the team, celebrating the fans in the arena. Patty Mills Goat, I'm going to keep reading that handle because it's like my favorite handle, um, says, nah, it's not cheesy, Lauren. When the bench goes off, it's a symbol of the companionship and the relationships sport bring bring, and what it means to people, a reminder that it's more than a game. I feel emotional when I see it too. I think Patty Mills Goat and I are kindred spirits, Matt, because sometimes I wonder if I'm just getting a little bit too emotionally invested in what's going on, but then I hear people like Patty Mills Goat and I feel maybe like I'm okay and that I'm normal. What do you think, Matt? 
what was the over under on how many times you would say the handle? Was it four and a half? If you if you punch or... the over on four and a half, you are you are winning some money. That's for sure. I think we're good. Um, no, that that's another thoughtful comment. I'm just rereading it. Uh, I probably shouldn't do that on an audio medium, but yeah, it was it was fun. It was cool to see. Um, you had a closer seat for it than I did, but certainly the photos that come out and all of that. The the Sixers in a good place right now. They're on a five game winning streak, and as we have said over the years, the the word the vibes are good. One sixteen, one oh six over the Magic as they look to keep this streak going Friday night. Hey, it's Joe Conklin. Join me for Conklin's Comedy Night at Parks Casino, the number one casino in Pennsylvania and the official local casino partner of your Philadelphia 76ers. Tune in to 76ers games for special Parks Casino offers for fans. Watch all the action on the big screens at the Liberty Bell Gastro Pub or the Beer Garden. And come see me live with comedians from all across the country in 360 at Parks Casino. Visit parkscasino.com for tickets. Must be 21 or over. Gambling problem call for the gambler. Kevin, who's been active in the space, mentions where they're listening from. I live in Las Vegas, but grew up in New Jersey. Sixers fan since 1977. So not just Sixers fans in Philadelphia, not just at the games in Orlando to support the Sixers, but Las Vegas and China and Australia. And it's it's very cool to see and very cool to hear. So if you want to keep that coming today. Yeah, this is awesome. This is starting to feel a little bit like a family affair. Am I getting emotional on a Twitter space? I don't know. But Aiden says Aiden is listening from (laughs) Perth, Australia. Oh, I'm dying to go to Perth, Australia. My favorite Formula One driver, Daniel Ricciardo, is from Perth, Australia. Um, My favorite Olympic basketball team, the Australian Boomers. Some of them are from around there. And yeah, I'm dying to go to Australia. But anyway. How many times has Daniel Ricciardo won the Australian Grand Prix? Zero times. Zero times. But he's, I mean, he's... That's something to watch in Formula One going forward. I actually, if Aiden is still listening, Aiden says, listening from Perth, Australia, how high in the standings do you and Matt predict the Sixers can end up? We can answer that question, um, but I want to hear from Aiden if if Daniel Ricciardo is as beloved in Perth as he appears to be for me, because he's beloved in Philadelphia uh, at my apartment. Um, I don't know if he's, (laughs) (laughs) I don't know truly what his international star status is like, but he's who I think of when I think of Perth. Imagine the answer is no for his hometown (laughs) and country. Like, I'm sure he's beloved, but. No, he's got to be. He's got to be. He's delightful. Anyway, one day we're going to have to dive further into Formula One when we get to the end of a of a space. Want to shout out with guest Joel Embiid. Ah, yes, yes, Twitter Spaces guest. Joel Embiid, (laughs) a huge Formula One fan. To those that are not aware, Um, really cool. To oh my goodness, Aiden has responded. Aiden says that Daniel Ricciardo is the second coming of Jesus here. Ha 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 ha. Okay, well, so. Good to know. He's idolized Maybe the way that I was hoping he was. Whenever there's like a break in the schedule or something, I think we should put in a formal request for Joel to be a Twitter Spaces guest. And the lone topic is Formula One. I think he, he might be interested in that. I mean, there is a podcast that I work on with another Sixers Ooh. player that I thought maybe Joel might want to discuss, but I don't want to get ahead of myself at some point, no matter what. We're going to have Joel give us some Formula TBNT, One TBNT, TBNT, the Big Niang Theory. The um the video that Joel posted during the final Formula One race of this season, celebrating Max Verstappen's first world championship victory. 
I personally am more of a Lewis fan, so I wasn't thrilled by the result of that race, but I was thrilled by Joel's reaction to the result of that race. So anyway, less Formula One, more Sixers. But if anyone wants to talk Formula One, my DMs are always open for that. They're not open for everything. There's more Perth representation. Mathief, the Mathief account has joined. Thank you to them, as always. They're from Perth. They were asking who else is from Perth. By the way, Danny Rick is very much loved in Perth. (laughs) <laughs> wow. Okay, we've got to, at some point, we're going to have to do a live Twitter spaces in Perth. I think we're going to start speaking that into existence. I wanted to quickly, um, I wanted to quickly shout out Mike Descano, who said I ended up joining Joelle in a celebratory Shirley Temple last night, and it was delicious, lol. If I had been home, I would have mixed myself one as well. I do a sort of adjusted recipe. I use a diet Sprite, a little splash of grenadine, a lot of ice, and then some of those like amarena cherries, I think is what they're called that, that I think people use in old fashions. For me, they go for Shirley Temples. Now you guys are learning too much about how I like to unwind at the end of the day. It is with a Shirley Temple, just like Joelle. Um, but yeah, if you get those, those cherries, they're a little expensive, but they're worth the investment. They kind of change the game in a Shirley Temple. Um, oh my goodness, Patty Mills goat is from Perth too? This is crazy, Matt. I'm I'm we can't make this up. Patty Mills goat, I'm from I'm from Perth too. This is amazing. I adore that. <laughs> wow. Multiple Sixers fans right now in this space are listening from Perth. And Very sometimes cool. we have tons of people in these spaces. Um, what I'm seeing is we have about 60, which is a totally great amount of people to have. But that's a smaller number, I think, to have. So to have this much Perth representation in a smaller space, I love. I adore it. Shout out to Perth. Last time we did one, there was a comment about the Perth Wildcats and how they have a former blue coat. I can't remember if it was Michael Frazier or Xavier Munford, but two, a couple of blue coats playing in Australia right now. One of them plays for the Perth team. So there's a, another connection as the Sixers signed yet another blue coat yesterday in um, Braxton Key, who was a part of the Sixers summer league team. Braxton didn't get in last night. Miles Powell did. Kevin earlier said about Miles Powell that, let me find it. Kevin said that... Powell is a true point guard. He can contribute. He came in and then unfortunately had a flagrant foul. So he only played three minutes total. But there are a lot of Miles Powell fans out there from his college career that know what he can do when he was putting up big numbers at Seton Hall. So some new faces, if you haven't been paying close attention to the Sixers, some new faces on their bench that include Braxton Key, Miles Powell before that, and then in between, Charlie Brown Jr. Miles Powell also exiting health and safety protocols yesterday, so great to see him back on the bench and in good spirits. He and George Niang had a little bit of a back and forth during pregame that was pretty wholesome and adorable. Um, I'm we're, we're, The Perth comments and questions keep coming today. So if you're in the States, I hope you're enjoying this as much as I am, and if you're not, I'm sorry. Uh, a lot of, you're, we're usually pretty US-centric on here, so I don't mind shifting a little bit. Um, Aiden says, it's midnight here in Perth, so we are really repping. That is accurate. Um, Tony Lucio says, I'm in Austin, Texas. I'm from Houston, Texas, so I have a lot of love in my heart for Austin, Texas. This is awesome, Matt. So international. It's very cool. Mathief was the one who asked about how much we watched the NBL, and I mentioned the Blue Coats, and the Patty Mills account, Patty Mills Goat, confirms that Michael Frazier II, who was part of the Blue Coats championship run last year, is on the 
Perth Wildcats and that they saw him in person recently. He was great. He's really embraced the culture of the club and seems to be loving it. Very I, cool. I love that this I'm catching up from Mathief. My friend is neighbors with Danny Rick's parents. Wow. Danny Rick's parents are key characters in Formula One Drive to Survive, the Netflix documentary. Guys, you're really finding out a lot about me this morning. I adore Formula One. His parents are adorable. That's really cool for your friend that they're neighbors with them um, and adds that yes, at Lauren M. Rosen and at Matt underscore Murphy 04, you definitely have to come to Perth. Consider it done. I'm in. I also adds Patty Mills isn't from Perth. I happen to know that. I happen to know quite a bit about Patty Mills, a huge, huge fan of his. Would love to cover him one day. Um, I have, wow, I'm really, really enjoying all of this, all of this Lauren, Perth I talk. Know, I know Matisse is out or has been for the last couple of games in health and safety protocols, but what did you learn in your time covering him on the international stage about just his connection with Australia? Well, look, so first of all, for those that don't know, I think most people know at this point, but Matisse spent a large chunk of his his growing up years in Australia, has dual citizenship, holds a really special place in his heart, and that's how he came to end up playing for the Australian national team, the Boomers, this summer in Australia, helping them to their first ever Olympic medal. It was a bronze medal, a rose gold medal, as they called it, Um, and it was such a pleasure to, to watch him First of all, as someone that primarily covers the Sixers, to watch him embrace a new team and succeed with a new team and watch a new fan base embrace him the way that Philadelphia has embraced Matisse, um, it was such a pleasure to watch him excel in that new setting, to see different parts of his game, to see his confidence grow, to see him develop new relationships with some of the, the world's most elite players. And then obviously to watch the team as a whole was such a pleasure for me. I knew I was, when I found out that Matisse would be playing in the Olympics, I knew that I would be staying up to some weird hours uh, to, to cover those games, to watch those games, to, to see what it was all about. But I didn't know how much I would love watching that team, the way that they embraced one another, the leadership on that team of Patty Mills and Joe Ingles, um, the way that they fought for so many years to achieve what they were able to achieve this summer in Tokyo. It was such an unexpected pleasure for me, especially covering it remotely. Um, for those of you that don't know me, I grew up doing competitive gymnastics. So the Olympics is sort of like the pinnacle of everything in the community that I grew up in. So to watch someone that I work closely with in Philadelphia get to realize that dream, something that I had dreamt of for so long, uh, I didn't expect to feel so emotionally attached to the Australian boomers. And then secondarily, you've probably heard me talk about this before, but so many people from Australia reaching out to me to ask me questions about the Sixers, to welcome me into the boomers community and, and family. Um, I have, I think, a, a large chunk of my following is is from Australia, and they've really supported me, too, and embraced me. So, again, those of you that are on here from Perth or those of you that listen to this in podcast form, I'm so appreciative of that experience. It was so much fun to watch Matisse, but even more fun to watch the team as a whole. And the biggest thing for me was, was these weird remote relationships that I built with some really cool people over there. So now I'm dying to go to Australia. We'll have to add Perth to the list of places that I'm going to visit when I'm there. Um, but yeah, a totally unexpected phase of my my 2021 this year, um, and I really really enjoyed it. I don't even remember what you asked me, Matt, but that's sort of my background of, of oh, covering. Oh, that was a great answer to a question about Matisse Thibel and his connection to Australia. That was good stuff, good stuff. And when anyone's out there, podcast wise, is done or caught up with the big Niang theory with George Niang and Lauren Rosen, you can search 76ers Insiders and. Most of our Twitter spaces after Sixers wins here on Twitter are posted there as podcasts if you joined late. 
today. Wherever you listen to podcasts, search 76ers Insiders. You'll find the 76ers Podcast Network, and you can listen to Lauren and I in that format as well. Perhaps the craziest part of all of this Australia talk is that it is nearly 3 o'clock in the morning right now in Australia. I mean, I think there's multiple time zones because someone just told me that it was past just beyond midnight. I don't know. Oh, I, yeah, you're regardless, right. Regardless, okay. it's, it's Perth, very, it's, it's sorry. certainly very late. I Googled it and it was stupid enough to just read the biggest font. There are <laughs> some underneath 2.41 a.m., 3.41 a.m., 2.11 a.m. And I mean, Perth no is, matter what. Perth is, Perth is underneath of that. So you're right. It's not as late. Inc- Sorry about that. Incredibly impressive for those staying up. And I've this has maybe been my favorite Twitter space ever. I hope other people are feeling that way as well. Sometimes when we get a little bit farther off of our beaten path, we get some more exciting stuff. Um, Mathief adds, no Matisse, no Olympic medal. It's that simple. Matisse will always be my goat. I think that was something too. I mean, for me, like I, I had people embrace me from Australia for just covering the games as sort of like a totally tangential person that had never covered that team before, simply had covered someone on that team before. And now I have fans in like a little Australian community. I can only imagine um, the scale for which that was like for Matisse and the way that they embraced him and the way that they have come to love him as one of their own. He's always been one of their own, but they didn't all know that. Um, and so it was really cool to to watch these, these fan bases grow and, and special to watch that for him. Um, Matt, where shall we go next? It's a global game, basketball, sports in general. So it's, it's cool to see representation from Sixers fans all over in this space this morning. It's kind of how we got on the topic. A few folks from Australia, more than a few. And we were reading some comments from other countries, other states. A lot of Sixers fans in Orlando last night for the win, which is where we picked up. Matisse Thibel did not play. It was the same lineup for the second straight game. Curry, Maz, Harris, Green, and Embiid. That was actually the 18th different starting lineup when it made its debut on Monday in the, the big win over the Rockets, margin-wise 20 points. So that lineup is now 2-0, and but that's a lot of lineups and the flexibility and trying to find different combinations that work. They go to Embiid and Drummond later in the game, but that starting group, I was impressed by this group in the last two games. Yeah, I mean, it's something that they've been dealing with all season and sadly will probably continue to deal with all season. But I really like what Doc Rivers has said when he talks about these different lineups. He felt early in the season when when a chunk of the team, most of the starters were out as the Sixers took that West Coast trip as, as guys entered health and safety protocols for the first time. Doc talked about the dividends that these different lineups, different matchups, different combinations were going to pay for this team down the road as the season gets difficult, as the playoffs begin. Um, and, and Doc said that it's going to be a character building moment. It's going to be an opportunity for them to get to know each other better. And we've started to see that the team has had its ups and downs, but now winning five in a row, while again, still shorthanded there, they haven't had that many opportunities to play with their full complement of players on nights when they struggle a little bit defensively. We saw that in these last two games, little defensive holes here and there. Well, kind of makes sense when you're missing your all defenseman in Matisse Thibel. So imagine how much better the team can get once they have him back. Obviously, without Tyrese Maxey, who's done such a good job growing into a facilitator role, a point guard role for the first time. When you take him away, if he's the guy that's been running your team, obviously that's going to present new challenges. But Tyrese isn't 
likely he could. He's one of few players in the NBA that probably could play all 48 minutes of a playoff game because of how motivated and and his motor and the the fitness level that he has. But he's not going to play 48 minutes in the playoffs. So these opportunities for Seth Curry, for Furkan Korkmaz, for Jake Milton when he's not out are huge. These opportunities for, we've talked about Furkan Korkmaz defensively. We've talked about Tobias Harris defensively to step in and take matchups that perhaps Matisse would take when he's around. It's really cool to see the guys um, stepping up, stepping in for one another, developing new skills, because I, like Doc, believe that it will pay dividends down the road. Um, Another comment from Perth, it's 11.45 p.m. in Perth. I could listen to spaces all night. Please never end. I mean, for the sake of your sleep, I, I can promise that we will end at some point, probably relatively soon, but the enthusiasm is truly touching. I really appreciate that. I think it's also... This is not Perth related. It's also it's Orlando related. Paul Reed is an Orlando native. It's worth noting that he was inactive last night as well, having entered health and safety protocols the day before, because that impacted the front court rotation as well, just like Thibault and then no Milton or Maxi in the backcourt. And just they they were forced into some different things, even though that starting group was the same and it's so funny Lauren because like most of our preseason content was about the blue team and the white team and which group was was winning more and now none of that matters it's all out the door everyone's playing with various teammates at this point absolutely um again Tyrese Maxey out last night out on Monday due to health and safety protocols but seeing a lot of Tyrese questions and because we've sort of moved away from last night I I don't have a problem answering them Kevin asks is Tyrese Maxey an all-star I think so my answer to that question while he may not earn an all-star bid this season just again because of how new he is on the scene games missed opportunities for growth I don't know that he'll be an all-star this season. I feel fairly confident that Tyrese Maxey is an all-star at some point. The way that he's grown, the trajectory that he's on, the way that he's added to his game in such a short amount of time. Keep in mind, with his condensed rookie season, he's only been in the NBA for just over one year. So he's played about almost a season and a half but only has had one full training camp, never played summer league until this season. So didn't play his first summer league and didn't play extended summer league this year. Didn't have the opportunities that most guys entering the NBA had. And he's still excelling at such a high level. I don't know where the ceiling is for Tyrese Maxey, but I know that we're not even close to it yet. So I do think that Tyrese Maxey is an all-star. Do I know when? No, but I think it's going to be relatively soon. And I think it's going to be relatively often. Matt, agree? Disagree if thoughts. You, if anyone out there wants to help the cause, there's a cool landing page on Sixers.com that explains the three different ways that fans can vote right now through January 22nd. There's, of course, an online voting process. There's You can do it in the app. And right here on Twitter, all of you are on Twitter with us right now if you're live. And you can hashtag or tag Tyrese, but you could do hashtag Tyrese Maxi with the hashtag NBA All-Star up to 10 times. Oh, well, fans may vote for up to 10 players per day, but you can only do one player per tweet. So you can vote via social media if you feel so inclined to help Tyrese Maxi. Do it case. in the comments on the space. Let's turn the space tweet into a All-Star <laughs> voting spam, the comments. spam comments tweet. Hashtag Joel Embiid at Joel Embiid, hashtag NBA All Star. Include hashtag NBA All Star with 
Joelle's name either tagged or hashtagged. So it's a test. Okay, so we're gonna we're gonna start to wrap up just because Matt and I, full disclosure, have a staff meeting at eleven. So we only have about nine minutes left to play with. But still seeing some questions for those of you that we didn't get to. We really appreciate the questions. We're gonna try to get to as many as we can as we move forward. Please send them in the time between the games and between the games and the spaces. Right? If you have a question during a game, feel free to send it. We put it we put it aside and and we try to answer them. Um, Alex says, I have a lot of questions, but I know you will not respond. Um, you just I responded. I don't know that. So if <laughs> I, I responded to that question. Um, the questions continue to roll in, actually. Um, some all-star voting. We appreciate that. Bench mob. Um, should the heat be called the heaters? I have one. Okay. Drew, Drew, Hashtag bench mob will be Drew the difference. Drew checking in. Drew like does that. a lot of good stuff. He has a lot of good questions. What do you guys think Joel has improved on the most so far this season thoughts on his recent stretch scoring 31 plus in six of his last seven games the 30 plus point stretch of five games is the longest stretch of his career for Joel Embiid now in his sixth NBA season what do you think in your mind Lauren that you've seen the most improvement in I mean, I think it's a, it might be the easy way out in an answer because it's something that he's so constantly working on, but just the way that Joel has handled doubles, I think the way that he handles double teams is something that's always going to be part of, of the conversation surrounding Joel Embiid because he is that good. He is that big. He is that skilled. He's almost always going to be doubled throughout most of any game that he plays in. And so watching the way that, I mean, he used to get a little bit frustrated by doubles, passing out of doubles was harder for him in the past. Um, Cool to see him sort of learn to attack, learn to continue evolving, finding his teammates, still imperfect at it. How could you not be? But so motivated to, to learn and grow in that area. And then I think on the flip side, exploiting when teams don't double. Anytime I see Joel matched up with a single coverage situation, you know it's not going to be great for whoever's on the other end of that. Making teams pay for not doubling him and learning how to make teams pay for doubling him is probably the biggest thing I watch this season. Matt, your thoughts? Look no further than the foul column on Orlando yesterday. Wendell Carter fouled out. Mo Bamba had five. I know Gary Harris isn't a big, but... Gary Harris had five personal fouls as well. Joel has taken pride over the years in fouling opposing players out, taking joy in it. I have been impressed with Joel in transition this mm, year. Yes. It's so fun He just when he just catches it off the rim and goes. A seven-foot player is not supposed to be able to do the things that Joel Embiid does on the court. And going coast to coast in the last couple games, especially, I know the competition's been a little bit lesser, but... Just having the freedom in transition and getting out and finishing with some big time dunks or some emphatic dunks has been something that I've taken notice of all season long and especially in the last couple of games. I love that. Um, Astro 2, going back to the Australia talk, do you think Matisse's top three for Defensive Player of the Year? I mean, look, on the NBA's most recent Defensive Player ladder, he was top three alongside Rudy Gobert, alongside... Draymond Green, who, of course, are two of the best defenders to ever do it in this league. Matisse very rapidly becoming one of the best to ever do it. Certainly one of the best already to ever do it as a perimeter defender. Is he a top three for defensive player of the year? I don't know. Not necessarily playing as heavy minutes as as guys that traditionally win that award, but he had an outside shot at at making an all-defense team last season and was named to the second all-defensive team, all-NBA, all-defense team last year. And, and so I wouldn't count him out of any award, I think, no no further than 
um, Matisse's defensive masterpiece against Steph Curry just a few weeks ago. So incredible to, to watch the way he has grown. I would not count him out. I certainly do think he could be top three when the season closes. Great question. Uh, always love talking defense. And Matt, to, to go back to, to Joel, of course, agree with you. Love watching him him in transition or, or bringing the ball up himself. Joel doesn't want to be considered a one-dimensional player, and he cannot be at this point. Um, point, Joel, one of my favorite things to watch this year. It's really awesome. Can we end with a quick Shirley Temple comment or two? I, you had a very specific Shirley Temple recipe mm-hmm. earlier, and this is all because of Joel Embiid bringing a Shirley Temple to his postgame media session after a 31-point game against the Magic. Would you consider that a top drink for you or one of your favorite drinks? Where does it rank? Absolutely. I've been drinking Shirley Temples with my mom since I was a little kid and I never got over it. My recipe for those who are curious, inquiring minds, I like a diet Sprite with just a little splash of um, grenadine. And then I looked up the type of cherries that I like. They're called Luxardo cherries. They're super overpriced, but you only need one or two in the drink to give it this extra elevated level of cherry. I think, again, they're the cherries that people use in old fashions or in cocktails. My favorite cocktail is a regular plain Shirley Temple with a couple of Luxardo cherries. So that's my Shirley Temple take. I got a lot of Shirley Temple takes in the last hour or so. Nolan Chappelle said, freshly ground coffee, but no Shirley Temples for me. The red 40 disagrees with me. That's funny. Is it technically red 40 or is it just deliciousness? I don't really know. I'm I'm not letting you off the hook from the pre-show. Maybe there's some crossover between our audiences. We were testing audio on on your account, so we were on at Lauren M Rosen's Twitter space, and you declined. Well, we don't have them available, but you said you wouldn't want a Shirley Temple for our Twitter spaces today because it's too early. Coming from the person who said that there's no right or wrong time to eat certain foods like tuna melts but you wouldn't drink a Shirley Temple for our morning Twitter spaces. Look, maybe there will come a morning when I'm willing to do that. I think I was also making coffee at the time. I like a little bitterness in the morning and and the Shirley Temple, not a bitter, not a bitter drink at all. Um, But again, I, I meant what I said. I don't judge anyone for their preferences of what they eat or drink at any time of the day. Shirley Temple's in the morning. Fine. Tuna melts in the morning, even better. How many wins do they have to get to for us to have Shirley Temple's and tuna melt combo on spaces one day honestly uh, one more that, victory and i'd do it should, i well, love that idea <laughs> that should probably be some sort of on-camera piece of content we maybe we can film a a short video of a celebration with shirley temples and tuna melts I'm all about it. I'm all in. Matt Murphy, (laughs) this has been a pleasure as always. A lot of questions and comments we didn't get to this time, but we're pushing an hour at this point, and that does feel like a good place to cap a Twitter space. So I'm going to try to compile some of the questions from this one. Hopefully we'll get back to you guys on Saturday after another Sixers win. We can answer some more questions. We can talk Shirley Temple's coffee and tuna melts on any space. Shout out, shout out, shout out to Perth, Australia. I think Perth, Australia is the real MVP of this one. I love that I'm seeing in some of the comments, folks from Perth that are going to connect with each other because of their attendance in the Twitter space. I love that for you guys. I love that you're going to find each other. Hopefully you can be friends, go out and share coffee together in Perth. I hope that you can do that. What's the tuna melt situation in Perth? I don't know. I want to (laughs) shout out, of course, to Formula One, to Daniel Ricardo, his parents who live next door to someone's neighbor in this Twitter space. That's just cool. And Matt, 
I need thank to, you, thank I you, need thank to address you. some people on the way out. Now people want to get more involved. Not that they weren't involved earlier, but Sali asks about Furkan Korkmaz. And I know earlier Gina asked about Furkan as well. We did talk about Korkmaz maybe midway through or towards the latter stages and coming off a 24-point game and a 20-point game. What do you think about his performance? I talked to Doc Rivers pregame on the radio, asked about the double-double game, and Doc said yes. I was impressed with him getting downhill, but also with his defense, which we talked about as Korkmaz has started the last two games. And then my final shout-out goes to Kevin, who I'm going to deem the MVP of this space for so many questions. Kevin, that hour went by quickly. I appreciate the interaction. I'll be back is what they said. So thank you to everyone out there for listening. This was a lot of fun. Lauren, thank you as always. Thank you, Matt. Shout out to the folks in my DMs talking about George Niang. We always talk about George Niang on Spaces. We didn't do it enough today. Get to it next time. Thank you guys. Perth squad, as soon as the borders reopen, we'd love to visit you. Enjoy each other while we can't visit you. Thank you, Matt. This was so much fun. Love you guys on Twitter Spaces, and we will talk to you next time.